you're interested in leadership and you want to lead as your most authentic self, this is the podcast for you. This is a show that breaks down the concept that leadership is complicated. Well, I'm going to let you in on a secret. It's not. I believe that it's an exchange of energy between two people. I want to create conversations for emerging and experienced leaders to come together and discover a new way to lead from the inside out. You already have everything that you need to be an exceptional leader. What we will uncover is the power of human connection and understanding how we are hardwired to seek out a true sense of belonging. So come join me. Let's create a community of leaders that are ready to challenge the status quo and who value human connections more than bottom lines. Hi everybody, it's Michelle. I hope you're doing well and that you had a great Christmas. It um, feels like a whirlwind. I can't believe that I felt like there was so much time before and it's now come and gone. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about where I've been. You may have noticed that I missed a week of posting and there's a good reason for that. Well, two reasons actually. Uh, The first one is honestly, I felt like I just needed to take some time for myself and step back a little bit and give myself some grace to not feel like I had to do all the things and that in doing that, I would somehow be letting people down or disappointing people. Um, I think sometimes our ego can get in the way of that and make us think that people are actually thinking about us much more than they are. And, um, and I'm glad that I did do that because my mom arrived a week and a half ago unexpectedly for Christmas. Super happy she's here. Um, and was able to get her booster before she flew, which was great. And then one of our two dogs, Pepper, got critically ill the Monday before Christmas. She stopped eating suddenly, and uh, she's a Taiwanese street dog, so she's a tough little girl. And she stopped eating, which isn't super unusual for dogs, so I didn't give it much thought. She seemed to be okay otherwise. And then after three days... Uh, and her becoming very lethargic. I knew something was really wrong. So we brought her into urgent care on Monday morning and found out that she has a very rare disorder um, that is called immune-mediated hemolytic anemia. So IMHA for short. And long story short, she is anemic and her body attacks the red blood cells that your bone marrow produces and they live much shorter life so her body is constantly trying to reproduce red blood cells which carry oxygen in your blood and give you energy and um, make you not anemic and her body was basically kind of destroying those cells and making it really difficult for her to live So the vet told us that we were very lucky we caught it early and that we brought her in at the right time and um, spent an insane amount of money um, to start treatment. And I am happy to say that uh, we brought her back to the vet this morning for some more blood work and we will be getting those results either later this evening or tomorrow. But, But by all counts, they think she's doing really, really well and... Uh, we've started her on prednisone, so she is now wanting to eat everything in sight, uh, which is not great because around the holidays, if your home is like mine, we have food everywhere. We've got cookies and candy canes and 
nuts and chocolates and things that not all dogs should have or any dog should have chocolate. Um, and our dogs are not dogs that would normally steal off of, um, like our coffee table. They're just not those dogs. Uh, but lately she's getting a little bit more cheeky about, uh, where her food is coming from and, uh, has been caught with her nose kind of in places where it shouldn't be. So we're going to have to really watch her. Anyway, I digress. So between those two things, I really lost the week before Christmas and wasn't really in a mental place to post anything on the podcast. So thank you for those of you who are listening and continue to listen week after week. And for those of you who are new here, I wanted to do today's episode to talk about self-care and the importance of self-care. And my experience this past week has really reminded me that it is so important for our mental health to take time for ourselves. You know, this past year, I've done a lot of presentations and worked with a lot of healthcare providers in, uh, you know, having them understand the idea of self-care not being selfish. And while I recognize that that sounds kitschy, I named my presentation that purposely because people understand what that means. And yet, uh, the one thing that I did not consider is that often the very thing that brings people to having trouble finding time for themselves is because they often carry a personality that uh, focuses very much on people-pleasing tendencies, perfectionism, having challenges, setting boundaries, and most importantly, understanding the value of their worth. And so the way I teach self-care now is very similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So when you think of those bottom tiers, you really need to focus on the basic needs, your basic needs, food, water, air, shelter, which I attribute to understanding boundaries, people-pleasing tendencies, perfectionism, and most importantly, understanding the value of your worth. Because if you don't understand the value of your worth, then you're not going to be able to achieve those other three areas. And most importantly, without having that foundation, in order to get to the top of Maslow's hierarchy, which is self-actualization or showing up as the best version of yourself, there's just no way that you would be able to get to self-care. And so what I realized was, is the way that I was sharing with people how to incorporate self-care in small ways into their everyday life was actually setting them up for failure. And as a leader, I needed to figure out a new way to help people achieve those bottom tiers first. So I'll be creating a, um, I think I'm going to do like a three-day challenge, probably in February. So if you're interested in that at all, please reach out to me, leave a comment here, um, or DM me through Instagram, uh, and uh, you know, give me your contact information so that I can reach out to you, and I'll be launching that and just keep coming back and Um, I'll make sure to let everybody know when, when that's going to launch. So today we're going to talk all about the power of self-care and mindset. What I really want to focus on is how you can support your own need for self-care. So let's just start with self-care. It's important that you give yourself the opportunity to spend time with yourself in just quiet reflection. And this is for me, five or 10 minutes a day, just to sit with yourself And not, you don't have to do anything. You could have a cup of tea, you can journal, just reflect on your day. There's no right or wrong way to do this. 
I think that the first step to self-care is to give yourself permission to create daily rituals, which will really protect your mental health in the long run and sustain any resiliency that you need to improve your overall physical health. And some people find that the best opportunity to do this is when they are walking or exercising or they're just driving in the car rather than trying to find time to meditate or do additional tasks in your everyday when you're already feeling overwhelmed with the number of things on your to-do list. What I'm suggesting is that you try to establish a routine for reflection into your daily activities. So that means if you've got a 15-minute drive home and you're able to safely reflect on your day, turn on the radio, sing a song, listen to a podcast you love, and hint, Give yourself this time to just clear your mind and allow more creative thoughts and feel more confident in the decisions and productivity that you have made or that you're planning on making for the day. We all know this, that in order to give to others, you need to fill yourself up or you're going to have little to give. It's kind of like that saying that they say when you get on an airplane, right? You need to put on your own oxygen mask before you put on someone else's. What I want everybody to remember here, though, is that you're worth it. You are worth taking the time for yourself. And if you're not going to do it, who else is? So many people that I work with think, oh, I've got a house to clean and I've got kids who need help with homework and tasks and duties and all these things to do. I don't have time for self-care. And what I ask people is, if you needed medication, would you delay that if it meant that you would get better and be able to care for the people in your life that you love? And I think most people would say no. So why is it that we minimize the importance of self-care when we know that ultimately it nourishes us in a way that helps us with our mental health and clarity and the ability for us to hold space for other people in a good way? Self-care is caring for your emotional and social needs and it helps you to stay connected to the important people in your life. And simply put, it just shifts your energy into a higher vibration. This releases oxytocin and calms your fight or flight responses. If you're like me, I know it can feel really uncomfortable to take time for ourselves because we're so used to taking care of everyone else. And it can be a really big shift to actually focus on yourself. And maybe it doesn't feel natural. And there is actually a scientific term for this. I didn't know this. I, in doing my research on this topic, I learned that there is a, a new um, term called emotional labor. And simply put, it's when you use your personal energy to support the emotional well-being of others. And the feelings that you have when you do that over a long period of time are exhausting to your nervous system. And a lot of women will instinctively shy away from self-care because they just see it as a luxury or something that takes way too much time. And you might feel like you don't have a choice, like there isn't enough time in the day to get everything else done. And I argue again, well, one day of not taking care of yourself is going to be okay. But what happens when not taking care of yourself becomes the pattern or a habit of always putting yourself last? And this is the piece that I spoke about earlier around understanding the value of your worth. The lack of self-care can lead to unmanaged stress, making you vulnerable to physical illness, anxiety, and depression, and an inability to manage the demands of caring for others. And it does have an overall impact on your happiness and your well-being. And I know from personal experience that when I take time to care for myself, I feel far less tense. I'm less irritable and I have more energy and I know that I hold space for others much better. 
just this past week when we were going through this situation, I told my husband that I, I felt really vulnerable and I had not remembered the last time I had felt that vulnerable and that I just felt like 2021 was just was one more thing on top of everything else that you know we've dealt with in our life and we've seen other people deal with. And certainly there's always somebody that has it worse than you. And I think that when we when we start comparing who has it worse, you start really feeling really awful about where you are. And I just had to tell myself, you tell people this all the time, is to stop comparing themselves to other people. And I needed to stop doing that and allow myself just to feel what I was feeling so that I could work through it and get through the other side of that. And in that, it meant that I needed to understand that I needed grace in that moment to be able to step away from doing this just for one week. So let me ask you this question. When was the last time you did something just for yourself? And what I mean by that is an activity that replenished your energy and helped to manage the demands of your life by just resetting yourself. Well, if you can't recall or it's been longer than a week, please start today by making it a priority to take time for yourself. Here's a quick exercise that you can incorporate into your day by asking yourself some simple questions. I know I've said this before. You can journal on these. I'll put them in the show notes so that you have them uh, for future reference. So the first question is, how do I feel today? The second question is, what is one nice thing I can do for myself today? And finally, what am I thankful for right now? So here's the thing that I want people to remember. This is really important. Self-care is as simple as spending just a few minutes each day doing absolutely nothing. Nothing. No thinking, no social media, nothing. Just you sitting, breathing, being in touch with your body and your inner self. And when you're able to connect with yourself on this deeper level, it allows your intuition to have a voice. The American Psychological Association suggests that if you do four acts of self-care regularly, you'll have created a foundation of self-care in your life. So I'm going to tell you what those are, and that's something that you could maybe look at incorporating one this week or for the next few weeks and then slowly add them. So the first suggestion of self-care is sticking to a bedtime that allows you to get seven hours of sleep. They also suggest trying to have five plus servings of fruits and vegetables a day and to get outside for around 20 minutes every day. And then lastly, and this is the one that I love the most, is connecting with at least one close friend or family member a few times a week. And if you give yourself the time to be with yourself and do some of those four activities, it allows you to start to shift your mindset from just existing to living. And that's important because existing is just being here on earth. That's no fun. But living is experiencing everything that life has to offer. And I don't know about you, but I've been talking to a couple of my friends the past week, and I'm going to manifest the shit out of 2022 because I don't want to be existing anymore. I want to live. There's things that I feel like we've all have been asked to put off and put on hold or put on pause and enough. For me, it's enough. We have to be safe. We have to take care of each other and follow all the rules. But I think that for myself, I've reached a point now where I've just had to say enough. I need to feel that I'm moving forward and that there's growth and development. So for me, it's always been an art 
to find the balance between these two, living and existing. And I don't always get it right. So if you're feeling like something's missing in your world, this may be that your body is signaling to you to do a deep dive into yourself because you haven't quite met those core needs to nurture yourself. And this was something that I taught in my eight-week online leadership program is that it's so important that we understand what our core values are. And I don't mean the core values of an organization. I mean our personal core values. Because when you know those, it helps you to identify the sensations and then to learn to lead from a place of alignment with your purpose and with those core values in mind. And when we practice self-care, it nurtures the self-trust in us and allows us to dig deep knowing that whatever we uncover, we will be safe and we will be okay. And also to trust in ourselves that we will make the next right decision because we're doing the best that we can in the moment. Practicing self-care and building trust between you and your inner self helps you find the purpose in life, and at least it has for me. And learning to accept that you're never going to be perfect allows mistakes to not feel like failures. This was a huge one for me, that when I could get past the idea of failure and become motivated to try something again or to experience something new just because I wanted to and I wasn't pressuring myself to be perfect or to get it right, that was a lot of fun. I felt like a whole weight had been lifted off and a door had opened. And most importantly, it allowed me to feel all the emotions that came up for me in those moments and to get really acquainted with them and hold space for them. Because what I found is that when I can sit comfortably with my emotions and ask myself why they're there, I'm creating the runway to a closer connection with myself. So one of the things that I wanted to kind of touch on, because this was really interesting for me when I did the research for um, self-care, was the difference between emotions, feelings, and moods. And I think a lot of times we use those words interchangeably. And so by definition, emotions are an immediate psychological response to a perceived stimulus. They regulate ourselves to adapt to emerging threats, and they provide data about the world to our brain. Feelings, however are how we begin to make the meaning of emotions. They cause us to pay attention and react to the perceived threats. We're emotional beings and we act on that raw data. And the moods are semi-persistent mental and physical and emotional states. Moods can last longer than a feeling or emotion when threats in the world reoccur. So when I ask people what they feel is the biggest barrier to incorporating self-care into their daily practice initially what they'll tell me is that they just they they feel too stressed out and that there's too many pressures and demands on their already busy schedule and sometimes they're not sleeping well they're eating on the run well most of us I think feel that way and there's a lot of things that we can do to minimize the stress and manage our stress because some of it isn't avoidable some of it you can eliminate and you know I guess we can make different choices that maybe would eliminate the stress before it happens but stress is a feeling that's created when we react to a particular event and it's the body's way of rising up to a challenge and preparing to meet a really tough situation so things that cause stress or stressors and how you respond to stressors vary from person to person but we're all wired in the same way and this response is called a flight or fight response And this just means that our body is basically producing hormones like adrenaline and cortisol that speed up our heart rate, our breathing rate, our blood pressure, our metabolism can even speed up. 
and you then are left with a feeling of stress. Your body's quite literally prepared to either fight off a stressor or run from it. The fight or flight response is only initiated when a threat is registered to our safety. And when we're in this state, we lose access to the social engagement system of the limbic brain and the executive functioning of the prefrontal cortex, inhibiting creativity and the drive for excellence. So what I learned in doing my research is that there's three parts of the brain that are affected by stress. The neocortex, this is your rational or thinking brain, and that's your left brain. Then there's the limbic, that's the emotional or feeling brain, and that's your right brain. And then what we have, you know, um, some research calls the reptilian brain, and that's your instinctual brain. That's everything that is foreign is initially considered a threat. So one of the exercises that I teach in my program is how to regulate your emotions because it can be really difficult for a lot of us to accept criticism, especially if the criticism we're getting will provoke an emotion or if it's from someone that we feel is being maybe overcritically just because they can or they have a history of being critical or we feel that they are being critical of us. So this exercise helps to regulate and modulate your emotions in a different situation. So here's an example. If someone is telling me something like, well, you don't understand, you're lazy, or you're late, I don't feel that you're being responsible, I have the option to respond with, yes, I don't understand. Yep, sometimes I'm lazy. Yeah, today I was late. And yes, I did not take responsibility for that. And when you accept the criticism that's thrown your way without actually taking it to heart, you'll find that you disarm the person who's criticizing you. You take away their power. I always suggest that it's best to try these new exercises where there's low risk. And But what I mean by that is low risk is where you are practicing someone that you know well and it feels safe. And so you can practice there in a situation where you know you're going to be safe and space is going to be held for you in a good way. So we'll talk about a few strategies around how you can decrease your stress. Some of the most effective ways I found in the moment is breathing. We do it anyway. <laughs> so it's really just being mindful of how you breathe. And all you want to do is try to um, calm your central nervous system and slow down your heart rate when you're in a fight or flight mode. So you can just take some long, deep breaths often exhaling for twice as long as you inhale. You can do rapid, short inhales and then short exhales. There's lots of places online that you can look for breathing. If this is something that really interests you, I do have some exercises and they'll be included in my five-day challenge when I do it or maybe three-day challenge. Five days seems like a long time. and um, But I'm happy to share those. So if this is something that interests you, please let me know and I will share those breathing exercises with you. So mindfulness really important when we talk about self-care and i often ask people do you have any idea how much time you spend in your day engaged in simple activities like doing things that we just don't think about washing our hands brushing our teeth getting dressed commuting standing in lines well research says that we spend about 85 minutes a day doing those things so that means that over 30 years we're going to spend around 21 months doing things that are non-productive at best and often thought of as obstacles to being productive. And sometimes these activities can even cause frustration and anxiety. I know that if I have a dinner party and I don't do the dishes, I can't go to sleep at night. 
because I don't want to wake up in the morning and be facing a sink full of dirty dishes. So wouldn't it be nice if you could take these activities from energy drainers to highly productive time? Well, the neuro research that I looked into says that you can. And they say that by making small inner shifts during those activities and by using mindfulness, you can change both the function and structure of your brain. So being mindful in part means that instead of running on autopilot, you have an awareness of the thoughts that are running through your mind and your emotional state. So you're just more self-aware. And this practice can help with getting aligned with feelings and resolve them in a productive way. And I know that we've already talked about emotional intelligence. Becoming mindful is a foundation of the development of emotional intelligence. So here's a few quick things you can do to incorporate mindfulness into your daily life. And again, I'll include these in the show notes. So through your day, when you notice yourself getting frustrated, anxious, or stressed, just pause. As I said before, just focus on your breath and ask yourself, what are you feeling? Locate it. Where does it come from? Is it, do you feel it in your stomach? Is it in your back, your shoulders, your feet? The more you practice this, you're going to learn to stop resisting the feelings and allow them to come up and then to move on. One of the things that I like to do is when I talk to people I don't know, I like to really look at them, to take note of the color of their eyes. This reminds me of a time when I worked as an ICU nurse, and days could go by where I couldn't tell the color of a patient's eyes despite working a 12-hour shift and spending a large part of my time providing direct care. Now, I understand we're all wearing masks, and sharing facial expressions are not so much a thing that we can express easily. So taking the time to really look into someone's eyes is really important so that we feel connected to each other. And my final suggestion is to take three to five minutes every day to envision yourself living your best life. And it's not enough to just, I guess, daydream about what it would be like. It's about really feeling it. I always have this vision of myself coming down a staircase in a home that my husband and I are wanting to buy. And it's the summertime and we've got a wall of windows that are open and we're facing the lake and I can feel a breeze coming in off the lake and I'm so happy and I'm wearing white linen shorts and a white shirt and a blue tank top and I've got my hair up in a top knot. I'm wearing bare feet and I can feel the wood of our floors underneath my feet every time I come down the stairs and this feeling of contentment washes over me. I can smell the flowers in the air and I allow myself to go to that place as often as I can because it feels really good. Allow yourself to have those moments. So this leads me to compassionate self-talk. Showing up for yourself is like creating a new relationship. At the beginning of every new relationship or friendship, it's not the good times that are most impactful, but it's the hard times. It's those times when your car breaks down and you're on the side of a road and you think, There's only one person I can call. Maybe this isn't the person I've known the longest. I feel really uncomfortable. I'm not sure that I want to call them. But when that person answers your call and shows up, that's when you realize that this is your person. This is someone that's in your inner circle. Well, when you show up for yourself, you're telling yourself that you're trustworthy. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be my own worst critic. Some days I can just let myself have it. And when I'm being unkind to myself by thinking negative thoughts, I try to think of some of the following things. I ask myself, would I speak to a really good friend this way? 
I also acknowledge my emotions for what they are and I take a few deep breaths and I try to shift my energy. The hardest one for me is reframing the self-doubt. I still sometimes carry a lot of self-doubt that it'll never be me. And I see that now as an opportunity for growth. And I also acknowledge that some days are going to be below average. And you know what? That's okay. And it's also super normal. I try to remind myself that I'm making the best decision right now and to stop aiming for perfection. Because quite honestly, perfection is overrated. It limits your potential. And finally, I don't apologize for setting boundaries anymore. I don't say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Because usually I'm not sorry when I'm saying no. I just say, no, I can't do that. If I'm feeling really bad, which still happens sometimes, I'll offer an alternative. I'll give somebody maybe a name of somebody else that I think that would, you know, be able to help them out. I'll share that the biggest shift for me came when I realized that by saying no to some things allows me to say yes to other things. You know, by saying no to working late allowed me to say yes to the number of times that my husband asked to take me out on a date night or where I felt like I had to have a Pinterest worthy clean home and would spend all day cleaning and then not want to go out to meet friends for dinner in the evening because I was too tired. Practicing talking to myself with compassion has given me the grace to meet the challenging situations I face through my day. And I feel really confident that if you start doing this, it's going to do the same for you. What I've done, I have an iPhone and I have reminders set on my phone that pop up at, I think it's like at nine and, and noon and three. And then I think I have another one around seven or eight in the evening. And they are just in little inspirational things that I need through the day. You're great. You're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. High five for you. It seems really silly, but when you've had kind of a crappy day and that pops up, it does make you feel better. So here's something that I challenge you to try to do. And I did this and I loved it. I thought it was odd. I won't lie. But by the end of it, I really loved it. And I plan on doing this, I think, every year. And I'm going to look back on them in a few years and see the growth. So I'm suggesting that you write a letter to yourself. And the reason I'm suggesting you do this, not only for your self-care, but as a leader, is because all great leaders understand the importance of leaving a legacy. And the choices we make are most influenced by the five people that we spend the most amount of time with. So I think it's important that you have positive people around you moving forward to allow you to continue to improve and learn and grow and evolve towards the best version of yourself. So I would suggest that you write a letter right now. What would your 80-year-old self say to you? If you can vision where you would be in 80 years living, having lived the best life you can, what would you say to yourself right now? You know, we all carry really deep sources of wisdom in our bodies, which can make us feel more self-confident when we're feeling in control of our feelings and emotions. Please be patient with yourself. You will gain the ability to utilize the behaviors and routines that will make it more easy to incorporate into your everyday life, allowing yourself to feel motivated to learn how to work with and not against yourself and your emotions. Taking care of yourself involves feeling whole. It's necessary to value all aspects of your life, including work, family, and spirit. When you feel a sense of balance with yourself, you can more easily create an open, inclusive, and safe environment for other people 
that supports people to bring their best selves to the situation. When you feel authentic and open, it allows other people to perform better, to engage better, to want to stay in that space longer and leave them with an overall feeling of well-being. In order to give to others, it's essential that you incorporate self-care into your daily routine or you're going to have little left to give. While it seems like the to-do list always gets longer, and this is true for me, and emails make me often feel like I need to be available 24-7, I've had to learn to give myself grace in the space and take time for myself. Doing so has been critical to avoid burnout, and I feel more authentic by doing so. Sure, there's still hard times. I just talked about this. This past week was really hard, and I felt really vulnerable and questioned you know, how I was going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then I had a little talk with myself in the shower and said, what's the next right step? And I knew that the next right step was letting go of everything that didn't allow me to nurture my dog back to life. And then I had no guilt. It was easy decision to make. I just had to sit in that space long enough to allow myself to find the answer to the question and move on. So I'm going to leave it there for today. I hope that this episode finds you well and healthy, and I look forward to posting next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead From Within podcast. For more information on leadership, employee engagement, and self-care, you can follow me on Instagram, Curious Consulting. Curious is spelt C-U-R-I-S, so that's Curious underscore consulting. Click on the link tree link at the top of my bio for a free discovery call with me and to get some free downloads. You can also join the Lead From Within Facebook group, or you can visit my website at www.curisconsulting.ca. If you feel inspired to, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks again for tuning in and see you in the next episode.